for joining us today. We are going to be talking about the groundbreaking case that is hitting the Supreme Court this week, which is the first week of December 2023, Moore versus the United States. And we're really looking forward to talking about the history of this case, why it's such a groundbreaking case, the potential implications of it, who could be impacted by it. And um, it's really exciting. So we're looking forward to talking to you all about it. My name is Nicole Montalion. I'm Zachary McLean. I'm Katie Cummings. And I'm Mary Sandemir. And Zach, do you want to kick us off by telling us a little bit about the history of the Moore case? Uh, yes. And so for to start off, I was thinking we could go over just a quick background on the Tax Cut and Job Act and the mandatory repatriation tax, also called the MRT, before we discuss the Moors. The TCJA was passed in 2017 and was effective beginning in 2018. And so it basically changed various items such as deductions, depreciation, expensing, tax credits, and just some other tax items. And many of these changes were viewed as helpful and beneficial to most taxpayers. However, it also included a one-time mandatory repatriation tax. And so the MRT applies to shareholders of foreign, controlled foreign corporations that own 10% or more of that corporation. And so basically, the MRT was intended to offset some other tax benefits that had been given to these corporations and their shareholders over the years. But it has since been challenged by these taxpayers on the grounds that it violated the 16th Amendment. And so the 16th Amendment is what gives Congress the power to lay and collect taxes on income from whatever source derived. And so the issue comes from where the TCJA broadened the types of um, controlled foreign corporation income that is subject to subpart F. Um, and they did this and changed it to include current earnings and profits from these corporations, even if that income was not distributed to the shareholders that year. And so this was done to encourage U.S. taxpayers to repatriate these foreign earnings back into the U.S., and so when the MRT was enacted, it was done as a transition tax. And this was done to make sure that these past earnings and profits from foreign corporations did not permanently escape tax in the United States. The court case that is currently shining light to the MRT and all of these questions is um, Moore versus the United States. The Moors had purchased 11% of a foreign corporation in 2005. And from 2006 to 17, that corporation had retained all of its earnings and profits and made no distributions at all. And so when the Moors filed their 2017 tax return, they did not um, calculate the MRT that they owed. But they later amended their return and included the $15,000 tax that they're going to owe. And so after they paid this tax, they um, brought action to recover the MRT and their basis for this argument is basically that the MRT is a violation of both the 16th Amendment and the Fifth Amendment's due process clause. And they're arguing that because it was a retroactive application of a new tax. I, I was just going to say, I mean, I think if I, you know, suddenly was responsible for $15,000 worth of past taxes, um, you know, I, I do the right thing like them and pay it. But um, I mean, I, I do think I mean, it's valid to, you know, raise concern um, regarding this sudden taxation and, um, you know, whether 
they can or can't constitutionally do that. Especially since, you know, the Moors were lucky. Some people had to go back and pay tax for much longer than they did. And so I'm sure it came as a shock to a lot of people. And so honestly, I think the main question of this case is just whether the 16th Amendment gives Congress the power to tax only realized income. And then, you know, by extension, it calls into question whether the MRT itself is even constitutional. Absolutely. It's so interesting how this one question could have such big implications, whether or not the MRT is constitutional or not. There are so many different dominoes that can fall as a result. I know that there's a lot of fear out there. And and what I've read, there seems to be a lot of fear of the unknown and what will end up happening to the existing tax code and how much money the IRS, if this is declared unconstitutional, they'll have to issue refunds, what type of a a mess that would be logistically. So I'm not sure if y'all found anything interesting about that as well. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting just to like mention the scope of it, because I think, you know, based off of what I've read, um, nobody is, is super clear on, you know, how what scope the Supreme Court is is going to take on this? If they're going to look at just MRT, if they're going to look at you know TCJA, or if they're going to you know kind of take a step back and look at Section nine sixty five as a whole. Like I agree, there's there's a lot of um, just potential outcomes that I think are are really just unsure at this point. What's interesting too is I can kind of see both sides of it where if you are someone being taxed and like you were saying, Katie, and you have you're hit with this fifteen thousand dollar or or more tax bill and just want to be like, this isn't fair. I didn't get any of this cash. And then from the government side also, well, it's not fair to never pay taxes on on this level of income. So I could definitely see it both ways. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, if you, if you think about it from the government standpoint, uh, for since what 1960s, corporations have been able to uh, keep these offshore accounts, and as long as they didn't bring it back to the United States, they didn't repatriate it, um, they were able to avoid the tax. So, uh, really, the the whole aim of this, what I read, was the government was trying to bring this trillions of dollars back to the United States and switching the regime from a global tax regime to more of a territorial tax regime. And so the TCJA and the the MRT were were pivotal in that in that aim. <clears throat> um, so yeah, moving on to sure. like uh, some of the pros, like you know, going to the, this was the government's aim. Um, if the Supreme Court holds the ruling from the Ninth Circuit, I, I just see advocates cheering that the heart of the TCJA will live on and the government will continue to collect um, something like $352 billion in revenue that they projected. Um, and they've already collected a good majority of it already. So uh, they will not have to, um, they, they can ensure that the, they will can continue paying for those tax cuts with, with those funds. Yeah, for sure. I think um, really that $352 billion that you mentioned, I mean, that is a large um, chunk of, of income that I think, um, like, I just wonder if that is being taken into consideration as well, um, because I would imagine since they have um, collected most of it, um, it, it may be difficult to, you know, budget for the return of that. And um, so I think it, it definitely is um, important to just recognize the the weight of how much money we're talking about here. 
on the flip side of that, I think people that are on the opposite perspective um, are afraid of the government having more of an overarching ability to um, impose these taxes that are essentially either wealth taxes or, or things that have never been done before. And I took this quote from the case where it said that there's a fear that this would open the doors to expansion of the federal taxing power beyond the limits placed by the Constitution, including taxes on all sorts of wealth and property without the constitutional requirement of apportionment. So there's definitely this this fear of what could become, what if this kind of becomes this uncontrollable, we're taxed on everything. Um, So it's really interesting to see this this debate unfold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, just kind of thinking of hypotheticals, like, for example, suppose the courts uh, do find that the MRT is unconstitutional without addressing the effect of the other tax laws and provisions in the code. Um, I I know, you know, from a business community standpoint, uh, they're arguing that this uncertainty would certainly be detrimental to millions of small business and entrepreneurs. Um, The U.S. Census Bureau says that over 95% of U.S. small businesses are C corporations. Uh, so, you, you know, the effects of the tax obligation uncertainty, the unpredictability will certainly inhibit their cross-border activities. Um, and that also they are already taking advantage of this um, dividends received deduction from controlled foreign corporations, which is under IRC Section 20, 245A which is really the crux of the TCGA's territorial regime structure. Um, You know, if that is not to remain intact, what happens to all those deductions? I suppose they have to pay all that back. I mean, I think that's a really important perspective to um, just consider is, you know, the effects that that these have on on the small businesses and and general taxpayers. Um, I think we also have to consider um, just the international aspect of it. I know MRT, as we mentioned earlier, transitioned from um, a global taxation regime to a territorial taxation regime. And I think this has um, major effects on businesses and investors just here in the United States and really across the globe. Um, I read an article from the International Monetary Fund. Um, It was written at the end of 2022 related to um, economic growth in 2021, and it actually stated that the U.S. had the largest increase of inward foreign direct investments of all in con- economy. So I think it's just important to just take this into consideration, um, you know, with the foreign tax implications of this case and um, really understand that this could have an overarching effect just as you know, global investments and, you know, investments in foreign entities, whether U.S. to other foreign entities or other foreign countries into U.S. entities. Um, I think this can set a precedent for, you know, how these are taxed going forward, moving more to a territorial taxation regime. Um, So I think, um, you know, with all of this kind of taken into consideration, they, there's a lot riding on this case, and I know um, we touched on the scope a little bit, the effects on small businesses. There's there's a lot of potential that I guess will be unfolding in the next few days here um, as we're recording this. So I know I'm very interested to see what, what this outcome looks like. Absolutely. Likewise. Definitely. Well, I'll be on pins and needles wondering what they're going to do. 
This has been such an awesome discussion, y'all. I know we're coming about close to our time here. So does anyone have any final remarks that they want to make on the case? Yeah, I do. Uh, we got a little bit extra time. Um, so I, one thing that I read that I found was interesting in the Chamber of Commerce um, amicus brief, and, and they are in support of the plaintiffs. Um, they argue that the court should affirm that realization is critical to limiting federal taxation powers, because really currently what's happening is the burden of taxation on unrealized income is falling on partnerships and S-corps, which is provided in subchapter K and subchapter S of the tax code. And so this produces significant tax revenues and an expansion of that power would really open the door to um, new federal taxes on all sorts of wealth and property uh, without a sort of defined constitutional requirement of apportionment. Um, And so, and others argue that this could be a step towards a wealth tax, which would be uh, quite unfortunate for a lot of parties. Um, Nevertheless, uh, I think both sides agree that just uh, these kind disruptions to established tax regimes um, would be severely impactful. Kind of going off of that as well is just will Congress take this opportunity to potentially redefine what income is because there have been these questions popping up of when to recognize and when to tax based off of recognition of the income. So it'll be really interesting to see how deep they decide to go because there are so many different effects. Absolutely. Well, it was great to have this time to chat about the case and we're looking forward to seeing it unfold.